the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Bob Bergman here, estate planning attorney from San Jose and host of Plan Your Estate Radio. I hope you've had a great week so far. I've had a pretty good one myself. Um, and it's been busy, uh, but uh, busy in a good way. And uh, those of you who um, can appreciate that, you know what I mean by that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Dealing with little uh, allergies right now. What what happens always happens to me whenever it rains. It rains and then uh, all the plants and everything out there go whoopee and they open up and start releasing pollen into the air. And then I start getting uh, my allergies flaring up. So uh, those of you who suffer from allergies from like pollen and things like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, so far, it is not too bad, and hopefully it will it will kind of stay no more than the level that it's at right now. But if I do cough <clears throat> or clear my throat like that at some time, I want to apologize ahead of time. Um, but it's uh, there's really not much I can do about that, actually, um, because sometimes your your body just wants to cough or sneeze, and there's not much you can do about it. So... Um, I had my um, estate planning uh, workshop this past Saturday, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, it was very well attended, and I think people enjoyed themselves and uh, learned a lot, and I know that I did get uh, a lot of constructive feedback, and uh, a number of people who are interested in actually going forward with consultations with me. I'll just uh, let you all right now know that I am working up a webinar um, of my estate planning workshop. Uh, the initial one might be a live webinar. I'm not sure yet. Uh, or it will be one that I have recorded already and then will be broadcasting uh, either at set times uh, either at set times uh, during the week or the month or else on demand, depending on, depending on the platform that I set up for that purpose. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, I am planning in January to have another one of my estate planning workshops. I haven't decided on the actual date yet. Once I've done that, I will let you know here on the air and uh, 
You can always visit my website at lawbob.com and check on the seminars and workshops link to see if there's any new seminar or workshop um, up there. Once the January one is up and running, I will be putting that information on my website and you'll be able to uh, click and um, book right through there. So, following my usual format, um, I am going to go with some questions and comments from around the state of California, but I also want to let you know if you'd like, you can call in and ask me a question on the air. The number for that is 800-516-1220. That's 800 800- 516-1220, like the call numbers of KDOW, 1220. And I'll be happy to take your question on the air. And hopefully it's a question that has to do with estate planning. If it's, uh, it has to do with uh, uh, how to make a tuna casserole, I probably can't help with that. Um, and even though my mother did a pretty good job, I understand that potato chips are involved. But uh, uh, in any event... Let me dive right in with some questions and comments from around the state of California. Okay, this came out of San Diego, California, and this is actually one from today. It says, as the father of a deceased child without a will, I'm being required to settle his affairs in the state of California. Companies are requiring me to provide an executor of a state document or its equivalent from California. I'm a Texas resident. Please advise. Well, to this resident of Texas who sadly has lost a child who apparently was here in Southern California, it indicates San Diego, um, what this father is going to have to do is file an intestate probate uh, if it's San Diego, in San Diego County, petition the court to be appointed the administrator of his child's estate. And then uh, with armed with that, um, that court order and letters of administration issued by the court, then this father will be able to deal with the child's uh, assets. Um, assets here in California and elsewhere. Um, being a Texas resident, that will make it a little bit more difficult, but nowadays many things can be done remotely. Uh, if ink signatures are needed, which they would be needed, paperwork could actually be emailed to this father in Texas for him to print out, date and sign, and then mail back to the attorney assisting him with this matter. Um, that is pretty much going to be the answer anywhere in the state of California. Okay, um, here's a question. Does a survivor's trust supersede the original joint living trust? So here's the setup. My grandparents' family home was held in a joint revocable living trust established in 2000. My grandmother passed away in 2011, and my mother cared for my grandfather until 2017, when he became abusive and left my mother no choice but to move out. At this time, my grandfather established a survivor's trust 
that transferred ownership of the home. I'm going to assume for the purpose of this question that the grandfather actually had the authority to do that by the original joint trust and that there was no requirement that property be divided between his survivor's trust and a bypass trust. Um, in my experience, there are times that people will treat property that really is supposed to be divided, treated as their own property, and do things like this. So this person said, I have not seen either trust, but he verbally communicated that he was leaving everything, including my grandmother's half of the estate, to his son, my uncle. This is very much against my grandmother's wishes, certainly counter to what I was told was in the original trust. My grandfather just passed away last week, and this now has become an actionable issue. I'm not yet sure who is the trustee of the estate, but I be, believe both original and survivor's trust were filed with the L.A. County Register. They don't really do that. Said so I'd like to understand my mother's rights in this matter and what the best course of action is to secure the trust documents. Well, the trustee is obligated to actually uh, give a copy of the trust document um, to two people who were named in there, and uh, the mother should actually end up getting a copy of that document. That being said, it's very possible that um, a lot of those things will not actually be done. Uh, in my experience, sometimes those things are not done when they're supposed to be done. Um, but um, I would certainly have, uh, once you get the trust, I'd certainly have both trusts examined by an estate planning attorney to see whether or not the grandfather had the right to set up a new trust and transfer everything to that new trust. We're coming up on the first break of the show today. When we come back, there'll be more Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, attorney Bob Bergman. See you on the other side of the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue now with more questions and comments from around the state of California and uh, see if I can't provide uh, more information to you all out there, situations you might be facing yourself. Uh, because I know uh, a lot of people are dealing with issues like this on a regular basis and sometimes um, it can be a little bit overwhelming uh, and I understand uh, understand that entirely. Um, people need to kind of be aware that sometimes there are things that you really can't handle on your own and you need to have somebody else um, somebody else assist you. So, here is one out of my own backyard, uh, out of uh, Santa Clara, California, uh, very close to me here. And a uh, person says, I own a single-family home in Santa Clara County. Uh, we, me and my spouse, filed a quick claim to remove my spouse's name from the deed back in 2005. Now we've decided to put her name back on the deed. Do I have to fill out 
a PCOR, P-C-O-R, Preliminary Change of Ownership Report. Is this the form I should use? If not, how do I put her name back on the grant deed? Well, there's actually a couple of things uh, to be filled out. One is a new grant deed or quitclaim deed. Uh, either one could be used where you would transfer the property back into the name of you and your spouse on the title. Uh, you'll have to decide whether it's going to be as joint tenants, as tenants in common, as community property, or community property with right of survivorship. Um, and then you also do a preliminary um, change of ownership report that indicates that a transfer uh, between spouses, which means it's excluded from any reassessment of the property tax because it is a, an interspousal transfer. Now, if this person came and asked me this question, I would ask, um, why was it taken, uh, why was your spouse's name taken off in the first place back in 2005? Why do you want it put back on now here in 2021? And uh, have you considered whether or not the property should actually be owned by a trust so that you you and your spouse can properly deal with the ultimate distribution of the property uh, without going through the probate process and, and things like that? But uh, those are the documents the person would have to use in order to get the property back into the name of he and his wife. Um, but again, they probably should consult with an attorney about how that title should read, how the transfer should read at the end. Uh, what form of ownership should there be between the husband and wife? Because it's not obvious and there's more than one way they can do it. And the way they decide to do it can have uh, tax implications when one of them dies. Okay, um, here's an interesting one uh, out of Los Angeles. Um, here's the situation. Elderly parent places home in a trust with son as beneficiary. And I assume that to mean the son as the ultimate beneficiary. Elderly parent takes out reverse mortgage on the home. Okay, so far, happens fairly regularly. Elderly parent gets married. New spouse moves into home with elderly parent. So that's now the step parent. Elderly parent and new spouse sign agreement stating that new spouse shall be permitted to live in the home for three years following elderly parent's death before son may take control and do as he chooses with the house. Okay, it sounds like this was not done in um, in a trust, but just as a side agreement. Now, I would say if an agreement like this is made, um, it should be made with each party represented by their own legal counsel, and it should provide that if the new spouse, the step-parent, is going to be permitted to live in the home for three years, then that step-parent should be required to pay the um, any mortgage payments owing, 
and should also be required to pay any taxes and insurance and reasonable maintenance uh, on the property because essentially they're living in the property completely free otherwise. Um, And this actually is the issue that's raised by this person. Person asking the question is the son and says, presumably under this agreement to which I was not a party and did not consent, I would be obliged to make mortgage, tax, and insurance payments on the house for three years while my widowed step-parent lives in it. Is this legally binding? And then, is this even possible given the existence of the reverse mortgage? Now, the the first thing I think I've addressed, and I don't think that you could force the son to pay all the costs and everything um, from uh, of maintaining that property while the step-parent lives there free. If that's the agreement that the elderly parent made with uh, the new spouse, I don't think that the son is bound by that agreement. That doesn't mean that it won't be a fight if the son tries to uh, get the, uh, the step-parent out of the property and take it over. But clearly the person was not a signatory and did not consent to that agreement. But I think the other question, since the property has a reverse mortgage on it, that raises an issue whether or not the change in ownership would trigger the reverse mortgage being due and payable. And without going into detail about reverse mortgages, generally you only um, you, you take money out, uh, but you don't have to pay it back until you die or until you move out of the property, in which case it has to be paid back, or until the property changes ownership uh, because you've died, or you transfer the property to uh, someone else. Uh, And then the mortgage is usually due at that time. In a case like this, I don't know if there's an exception if there is a spouse living in there. That would depend on the terms of the reverse mortgage. But I think it's a good, valid point It may be that there is no way to comply with the wishes of this agreement and they didn't think it through. And it sounds like something that may have just been done by themselves without attorneys being involved, without any consideration. And they just they just agreed to that in writing. I don't know that it would be enforceable. It certainly seems problematic. So we're at the bottom of the hour. And uh, when we come back after this break. I will continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio. You can always call if you'd like to ask a question, 800-516-1220. You could even call now, and we'll hold through the commercial break so we come back on the air in a few minutes. Talk with you then. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. If you'd like to call in, the number is 800-516-1220. In the meantime, I'm going to move forward with more questions and comments from around the state of California. So here's one out of Elk Grove, California. Elk Grove, I remember years ago um, traveling up to Elk Grove uh, doing legal work. 
uh, for a company that had me traveling all over the place, as far north as Santa Rosa, as far south from San Jose as Monterey and Salinas, um, and even out to Elk Grove in Sacramento. I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. It's a nice place, but it's a heck of a drive from San Jose, especially if you're doing that on a regular basis. So, um, this is a really easy one. I like easy ones. It's kind of like the, you know, the easy layup. You do the breakaway and there's nobody there and you can just kind of put the ball in the basket. Uh, not that I'm capable of doing that. I'm, I'm lousy at basketball, but it's, it's the sentiment that counts. Okay. It says a house is in trust. How do I take it out of the trust for refinancing, then put it back in the trust? Now, I'm going to pause right here for a moment. This sounds like the person went to a lender and the lender says, oh, you have your house in a living trust. We need you to take it out of the trust so that we can put that new loan on that you want. And after that, we don't care what you do. This is ridiculous. I'll just say right now it's ridiculous. There's no legal requirement at all that somebody uh, actually take a property out of a trust to put a new loan on the property. This is a requirement of certain lenders that shall remain nameless because I don't want to get sued for um, for slandering a lender or defaming a lender. Let's just say that many large banks will require people to do this. Um, smaller regional or local banks often will not require you to do this. And uh, even many credit unions will not require you to do this either. And the reason is pretty straightforward. If you have a trust, it typically will have provisions that say you are, as the trustee, you're permitted to actually um, borrow against property owned by the trust, including real estate owned by the trust. Uh, the legal term is generally hypothecate, uh, which is fancy for basically borrowing against. Um, the person said, the house is in a trust of my name. How do I take it up, put it back in after refinancing? Well, you take it out by using a deed to reverse what you did to put it in in the first place, typically by a deed. Uh, and this is probably all going to be done in the same escrow. You tell the uh, escrow where the loan is being. You tell them, prepare a deed transferring the property out of my trust to me for me to sign. And also prepare a deed transferring the property from me back to me as the trustee of my trust for me to sign. And then record the first deed to get the property into my name. And then the second Thing recorded is the new deed of trust securing the new loan that I got on the property. And then the third thing to record in order is the deed putting the property back into the trust. The first, the, the two deeds are really wasted effort, in my opinion, and it drives the cost of the refinance up because it costs money to have the deeds drawn up, uh, to have them notarized and to have them recorded, and it costs even more if it's a rental property that's being refinanced. Um, each one of those deeds is going to cost an extra $75 uh, 
uh, a special fee tacked on when it's not your personal residence. So easily someone having to do this to satisfy the bank's, quote, requirement, which is not a legal requirement, just the bank's requirement that they loan to you as an individual is probably going to end up costing at least $500 more to do that refinance. So thank you very much, big banks um, that make people do this. I have advised people over the years, if your bank wants you to do that, find a different bank that won't require you to do that and refinance with them. Use them as your new bank because they're a bank that actually wants to do business with you instead of making it more difficult to do business with them. And uh, and if you have accounts and you've tried to deal with one of the big banks and maybe you've left big banks like I have done, there are certain big banks I will never do business with ever again in my life because of the difficulty in dealing with them that I've personally had. Well, you know who you are and uh, and you know uh, that you've already done that. But I regularly tell my clients, if your bank is giving you trouble about this or hassle about this, consider telling them, first of all, either do what I need to have done or I will close all my accounts and go across the street to your competitor. Um, but unless you have a bunch of money in that bank, they're probably not going to care about that which means you can still always vote with your feet and you can just close your accounts and move to another bank or maybe even a credit union that's going to want your business, value your business, and not make it difficult for you to do business with them. This is something I'm very passionate about. You might be able to tell that. And and I can tell you that Um, you're often much better off being with a smaller bank or a credit union that's actually going to want your business and value the fact that you're a retailed customer. What do I mean by a retail customer? That means that you're an ordinary person that uses the bank for their ordinary banking needs, for their savings account, their money market account, their CDs, their checking account. You're not a business customer that is using the bank for borrowing, um, uh, for lending services for their business and and, uh, running their their, uh, business money markets and stuff like that. I have found that it seems like the major banks, and you know who they are, I don't need to name them, that many of the major banks are really only interested in business customers that have millions of dollars of loans, or millions of dollars on deposit. And if they could find a way, they would get rid of every single retail customer they have and close 95% of their branches just so they would not have to deal with staffing them and deal with ordinary people cashing their paychecks or going in and uh, and getting a, a simple loan or something like that. I think that if they could figure out a way to do that, they would do that. And there's actually some banks out there that are exclusively business banks. They don't have retail locations. Uh, They don't take retail customers. They only deal with business customers. Uh, But they're very upfront about that. And I don't have a problem if they're upfront about that. Um, Because 
um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I, I think that that's, uh, that's a good idea that they do that. Um, but it's the big banks pretending to care about you and pretending to care about your community. They're the ones that kind of really grate on me, ultimately, because it suggests to me that they're just kind of messing with us. And uh, I, I really don't appreciate that as a retail customer. So uh, Bob's going to get off his soapbox now. He's going to stop his rant against major banks um, and get back to estate planning. But as you, I think you heard in there, it is an estate planning issue. Uh, I have seen my clients dealing with this issue for 40 years. And um, it doesn't get better uh, with major banks. Uh, some of them are starting to slowly come around, come into the um, the 21st century, as it were. But uh, many of them still have a belief that their internal policies and procedures are more important than how people actually are living their lives and often more important than what the laws of the state in which they have their banks are located uh, than the laws of the state. Um, so I'll, I'll probably talk about this other times on future shows, but I'm going to get back now to uh, a little more questions and comments from around the state of California. So here's one out of Redding, California. And a person said, um, I live in California. My grandpa passed away almost two years ago. He raised me and had legal guardianship over me. And I even lived in his house and I was living there when he passed. What inheritance rights do I have? Okay. If grandpa made a will leaving everything to you, hooray. Uh, you have inheritance rights. If grandpa made a trust and put his property in there and left something to you, hooray, you have inheritance rights. But if grandpa died and there's any uh, any uh, grandpa's children alive and he had no plan at all, his children will inherit his property. If you, as a grandchild, if your parent who is the child of grandpa is still alive, that parent will inherit from your grandpa. If that parent is deceased, then you will, under the law, step into that parent's share and you'll get an equal share with any aunt or uncle who's inheriting from your grandpa. But without more information, there's no real way to determine what inheritance rights this grandchild may have. So we're coming up on the third break of our show today. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Uh, I know I have. And uh, when we come back after the break, as we come around the far corner and head for the finish line, I'll wrap up the show today with a few more questions and comments. This is Attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you again in a few more minutes. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. And welcome back for the final segment of our show today. Just have a few more questions and comments, and I'm going to dive in and see if we can't bring it home. Um, okay. 
All right, this one here actually might be, uh, might, okay, let's take this here out of Lodi. Says, a uh, person says, I married, my spouse is ill and has deeded our home to me. We own our house free and clear, have only one son. Can I create my living trust, naming my son as successor trustee and beneficiary to get a stepped up basis on my death? Um, the answer is yes. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure why the ill spouse, <clears throat> excuse me, would deed the house away. Is that just because they're ill? Uh, I might have recommended to this couple uh, set up a joint trust um, to, so that when, if the ill spouse is projected to pass away, so that when the ill spouse died, the surviving spouse would still have a trust already and could get a step up in cost basis of 100% of the property on the death of the first spouse. By doing it this way, um, there'd only be a stepped up basis when the surviving spouse, the one who's asking the question, passed away to pass the property on to their son. Um, so this is not really good planning. Um, it's not planning that uh, anyone that I know of as an attorney would have recommended. Um, and it could actually be reversed uh, and done in a better way that's going to be more beneficial to uh, surviving spouse and to the son as well. Um, but the short answer is, yes, this person could set up a trust and uh, and have the property passed to the son uh, at death and then have the son, at least under the current law, get a step up in the cost basis, which means the property would be revalued to the market value at the death of that parent who had set up the trust to eventually go to the son. Okay. Okay. My aunt is an out-of-state trustee. I'm the beneficiary to my mother's estate. Shouldn't my aunt hire an attorney in California to do the administration? Because uh, if a trustee from out-of-state does something wrong, it's very difficult for the beneficiary to sue the trustee because you have to do it in their home state. Well, not necessarily. If it's a California trust and someone's administering it here in California, that means that California has the primary jurisdiction over that trust because it's being administered um, in California. But I would say definitely if someone is an out-of-state trustee, they should have an attorney such as myself assist them with all the things that need to be done in the state of California um, because there's very specific requirements in the state of California that need to be met and they really cannot be assisted by an attorney in their own state because the attorney in their own state isn't really going to know what the legal requirements are in California uh, and also should not be assisting because uh, that is really practicing California law when you're not licensed to do so. And that's not a good idea. Okay, question. Is there a specific manner and language a trustee has to use to notify beneficiaries of a settlor's death and a new trustee? 
Uh, yes, it's probate code section 16061.7, which requires a specified notice go out to all of the beneficiaries of a trust. And it may also include anyone who was a natural heir of the person who may have been disinherited. They have to get the notice as well. It's a statutory notice and just uh, letting them know, oh, here's a copy of the trust and person died. That is not necessarily sufficient. Uh, A court might consider it sufficient later on if somebody sued. Well, I never got the notice. If the judge, if you can prove that the person actually received the, the trust, that might help. But there's a notice that says you have a specified amount of time to file a lawsuit to contest the trust. And if the notice is given, there's a time period. Once the time period runs out, the person cannot come back and actually contest the trust because that time period will have expired. And that's why the notice is sent out. It's sent out so that when the notice expires, the trustee can now act freely to uh, settle the trust, distribute the estate, uh, uh, or distribute the trust estate and all the other things that need to be handled. Um, There's always a question mark if they don't send a notice out to everybody who's supposed to get it, especially if they anticipate that someone who should have gotten the notice is going to make problems later on. So we're coming up on the end of our show today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, just to reiterate, I am going to be doing a, an estate planning workshop in January. I don't have a Saturday set yet. Once I do have a Saturday set, I will announce it on my show. And I will also put it up on my website. And it will show up at eventbrite.com as the estate planning workshop. So until next week. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and you have a great weekend, Bay Area. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.